Welcome back, everybody. Another hour here with Jimmy B and TC right on the Big Talker 1700. Rob Hal checks in with us right now, Hawkeye Nation. Latest on the Hawks. Rob, uh, always good to have you on the show, of course. And it seems right now that uh, the Hawks are doing pretty well recruiting-wise. Bring us up to date with a couple of guys. Yeah, they uh, they had a big recruiting weekend, uh, official visit recruiting weekend. I believe it was two weekends ago, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Um, usually an event that they have, um, well, I shouldn't say usually. They used to have it in January when there was only a February signing day, and then last year they moved it to the beginning of December when there was a late December signing day. Um, and now... Uh, with earlier official visits being allowed for the first time this spring and summer. They chose to do it in June and had all 10 of their verbal commitments at that time um, on campus uh, and then brought four other non-committed uh, prospects on campus and ended up with three uh, commitments out of that. Justin Britt, uh, offensive lineman um, from uh, Indianapolis, uh, Jalen Hunt, a uh, uh, defensive end, um, from uh, where the heck was he? Is he from? He's from uh, Michigan, and um, the third one I'm trying to think on the top of my head on my computer in front of me was uh, Dane Belt, uh, safety. He can play corner too. He's kind of a guy that can play uh, multiple defensive back positions uh, out of Tampa Jesuit. So, um, and then they picked up this week. This week, uh, Tuesday, I guess it was Tyler Goodson, a running back out of. Uh, out of North Gwinnett um, in Sewanee, Georgia, which is the same high school that produced uh, Jaden McDonald, the linebacker they got in the 18 class. So I was up to 14 verbal commitments in this class. They didn't get to that point until December of last year. They were, I think they were at about 10 at this point uh, last year in, in that cycle. So as, you, as the years go by, guys, the, this thing just keeps speeding up. Um, they already got a, a 2020 commit last week in the quarterback, Deuce Hogan, out of Texas. So I'm expecting, like, a sixth grader to commit here anytime, uh, anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Direction that we, we seem to be heading there. And uh, the Tyler Goodson commitment, for a lot of people, a little closer to it. Rob, uh, yeah. felt like this was coming after Iowa canceled the visit that they had set up with Jirel Brock for that recruiting weekend you talked about. All signs pointed that way. This is one the coaching staff they they knew before July third, right? I have a feeling yes, they had a pretty good indication. I don't know if it was like a hard not you know silent commit or how you want to uh, classify it, but I think they felt strongly enough when Tyler um, officially visited here in April that they stood in a pretty good position with him. And I think this was kind of the back they they wanted guys more of a. He's he's about what you know five ten one ninety one ninety two in that range. He's about the size of what Akram Wadley was uh, when he graduated here. So you, you're bringing in a kid with I'm, I'm not sure he has that same type of wiggle and elusiveness, but in that kind of vein, that type of a back who's already that big. Um, so it's a good get for them, and I think he complements the backs they already have uh, on the roster. Having a great conversation right now, Rob Howe, Hawkeye Nation, on the Big Talker 1700. Uh, Rob, we, we laughed when you re referenced the fact, well, they're pretty sure they're going to offer up a, a sixth grader here pretty soon. Does it just seem that the way things are trending, though, 
do they get younger and younger? Uh, I mean, can you get a read on this? I mean, they're not going to offer a sixth grader, but can you kind of get a read on this or not? Yeah, they, I mean, they're offering kids that are freshmen now, which was unheard of, Jim, when, when Kirk first got here. I mean, a lot of the, and we're kind of long in the tooth here and been around for a while, but, you know, back, you know, early 2000s, I would, I would have called you nuts if you told me that they would be offering freshmen in high school. Um, but that's just kind of the way this thing has gone. Um, I think it was Harbaugh. I think it was Michigan that offered a seventh grader recently, um, which to me is just insane. But, you know, I, get, I, don't, I can't evaluate talent at that age, but these guys are paid to do that, and that's what they're doing. And um, I think that I, I don't see Iowa dipping into the junior high ranks anytime soon, but they're evaluating high, high school freshmen consistently now. Uh, especially in-state kids, and, and those kids will continue to get offers, and I think this thing will continue to speed up, and we'll see earlier commitments in the process. Deuce Hogan is the, he's the youngest quarterback to verbally commit to, to Iowa in Francis 20 years, so that's an indication there how, how much things are speeding up. Well, let's talk a little bit about the quarterback for the 2020 class. Not even an upperclassman yet. He's getting ready to start his junior season down in Texas. Iowa beats out Baylor, Boston College, Colorado, Houston, some other schools for his commitment. Still long ways to go, but certainly he looks to fit the mold of what Iowa looks at. Tall quarterback, 6'4", and, and a frame to grow. Yeah, and a confident kid. His dad's his head coach. Um, he visited here, I believe it was the end of May, beginning of June. It was in that time period, that time frame. He took a handful, probably five or six different unofficial visits. I think he visited trying to remember Baylor maybe Oklahoma State um some good schools I mean it wasn't like you know that I would beat out nobody for this kid this early in the process now the question will be if he blows up this year or next year when schools come in does he stick with this commitment I, I mean he's I I, I it was, uh, remiss of me I did not ask his age he's going into his junior year but you think at most he's 17 um so a lot of things can happen, as you said, and, and Iowa's going to have to continue recruiting here as they do with all these kids that aren't going to sign. You know, even the, even Goodson doesn't sign until December. We'll see what happens this fall. You think, you know, the 14 kids they have in the fold right now, you hope that they, you know, as an Iowa fan or an Iowa coach, they keep them in the fold. But other schools aren't going to back away, particularly if some of these kids have really good senior years. So the the recruiting is not over. They get the verbal commitment, but that goes on all the way until they get that pen on the paper. Yeah, don't you find that interesting? Are, are you are you a guy that still likes the verbal commitment, or would you just not rather have a verbal and wait till they actually sign something, Rob? Yeah, I think for the coaches, Jim, they need to do this just so they have some type of order. Otherwise, if you're waiting just until signing day, the first one and then the second one, it would be chaos, I think, too chaotic uh, to just have a bunch of guys that you're not sure if they're going to sign or not. I think there's some uh, form of furthering the relationship when you get that verbal commitment, then it's the next phase. That now you continue to build that bond and, and further that bond with that recruit to get them to sign eventually. Um, so I think it's just an, a, a stage, I guess I would say, classify it as i would say it's a stage in the recruiting process by no means is it written in stone though and it's it's just part of the process 
talking with Rob Howe right now from HawkeyeNation.com. Rob, uh, with the football speculation out there, Manny Ragumba, he's tweeting, and, well, usually that's a sign, as we know, that his days in Iowa City are over. Still speculation. I haven't seen anything officially come down, but what are you hearing on Manny Ragumba? And I guess, well, we'll always have 2016 Michigan, right? Yes, exactly. I was thinking that the other day. Has he tweeted more than, has he been tweeting, or is it just the clock so far that he's tweeted? I forgot to check back in on him. It it was just the clock. That's all that I've seen, too. Okay. So that's the only one that he's done. I've, I've texted him a couple times and hit him up on social media through DMs and just nothing, silence. So, as you said, you know, you don't, it's not something I don't think we can write a story about at this point, um, but that's usually a sign that something's going on. Um, it could have been a mistake. Somebody could have gotten his phone and tweeted that out. Who knows? Um, but him, I think if I would text him and contact him and nothing was going on, I would think he would have gotten back to me and said, no, somebody stole my phone, you know, my brother got my phone, something like that. So um, I'm just waiting for official word on this one. He came out of the spring behind Matt Hankins and Michael Ojemudia, Mm -hmm. um, and there were other guys on the roster and other guys coming in that potentially can pass him. So he may see the writing on the wall, guys, and say, listen, i got a registered gear to use. No, No better time than to use it now. I'll sit out this season somewhere. Um, and then have two years to play. So would not surprise me at all if that's just, uh, you know, that was just kind of the flare that's sent up there before we get the news. Uh, before we let you run, take me to basketball. Uh, what's the latest? A, do you miss the primetime league? And B, what's the status of some of the workouts that can take place? To your A question, yes and no. <laughs> yes, I miss seeing those guys play a little bit in the summer. Um, but no, I don't miss going out there twice a week in the summertime and when it's hot and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, and we've talked about this before on the show, guys, that the competition and the level of play in that league was just going downhill. Um, and I think for the players' sake, uh, both at UNI and Iowa, I think they'll get better competition just playing against each other uh, during the summer. Uh, just doing workouts, pickup games, which I know they do anyway, and they were doing in addition to the PTL. Um, so I think their time's better served there. Um, and the second part of your question was, I forgot now. Uh, their workouts. Have you had a chance? Do you get a chance to peek in on any of the workouts or not? No, those, those are closed workouts. I, I have gotten a little feedback and heard that Joe Wieskamp, uh, the, the incoming freshman um, from Muscatine, is uh, – He's uh, performing uh, up to the level of, of what people hoped he would be performing at. I talked to somebody in the program who said he's just been outstanding. Um, just a very mature kid, both on and off the court, uh, hard worker. In addition to the natural skill set, the natural ability, uh, he's a really hard worker um, and, and takes coaching well. So I would be pretty surprised. Nothing shocks me anymore, as I've said before. Uh if, if he wasn't in the starting lineup, I think he's a starter on this team. I, I think they're going to go with that that three-out, at least three-out type with with Bohannon, Moss, uh, Wieskamp out, um, and even being able to pop Garza out and let you know Cook operate inside. I think that offense will, is, is more 
and of an up-to-date offense. And then we'll see what he can add defensively. They're still going to have to figure that, that out. And that's still something that they're going to have to prove to me that they can play defense. That, that's going to be the question mark out there, I think, for everybody until they get into the season and show that they can. Because I think they'll be able to score. They were able to score last year. It's going to be on that defensive end of the floor. Well, and another guy, obviously Connor McCaffrey will be available for the whole season, kind of helping out in that backcourt. Macy Daly, I really like what we saw to him last year during his sophomore campaign. Is it going to be they've had such a glut of forwards here over the last few years? You mentioned a three-guard lineup in the starters, but we're going to see that a lot more than we have maybe ever under Fran McCaffrey? I think so, Trent. I think they're going to try to spread the floor a little bit more and get a little bit more out of that half-court offense. Um, and then hope, and then I think hope with, with having more perimeter guys, it puts you in a better position to press, which Fran likes to do, maybe extend that a little bit more and create offense that way and maybe not have to have your, your team play in that half-court defensively. That's what we saw the majority of the breakdowns last year was in the half-court defense. So mm-hmm. I think they're, in addition to trying to improve that half-court defense, they're trying to find ways to, to keep from having to be in the half-court defense more than, more than they were last year. So I think that's all part of it, and I think more perimeter players will definitely help. With with what you're just talking about and with the addition of Wieskamp, I, I don't re- really remember how many points they averaged per game. I'm pretty sure it was over 80. Do you expect them to average even more offensively with that addition? I think it's possible and certainly probable, Jim. I don't know how much more that they'll do. I think they just need to get that defensive number down and, and get that, that closer you know, have the defense at least be competent enough to um, make it so that the, the potent offense doesn't go to waste, so to speak. So um, I, I don't know if they'll be focused on – obviously they'd love to score 120 points a game and, and they'll try to score as many as they can, but I think they need to find that balance, and that's what they've been focused on most of, most of this offseason. Final thing, full circle back to football. Rob, up at HawkeyeNation.com. You have a, uh, a list of the top linebackers in the Kirk Ferentz era. Josie Jewell, he is number one on the list. Abdul Hodge at number two. I'm a huge Abdul Hodge fan. I thought he'd have a better NFL career than Chad Greenway. Whoops on that one. But as we were putting this list together, how difficult was it trying to kind of find the right ranking? It was really difficult, guys. It was. I, I knew they were strong at that position, and... I'll go ahead and do 20 years of Ferentz after he's coached 20 years. I just went ahead with the linebackers because I don't think anybody that will play linebacker this year can crack this top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably will take a year or two before they're able to do that. Um, and, and it's a tough group to crack. Yeah, it was hard. I mean, I have James Morris at seventh, and he had four. Mickey's one of only four or five guys in program history with 400 tackles. Um, but it was hard. I moved them around quite a bit and kind of just went, Kind of went with my, my, you know, in my head what I remember seeing through the years. So um, I didn't get a lot of people arguing with me, which I, which surprised me. So And even Pat Anger tweeted me and said he was happy to be on the list. So <laughs> I, I must be doing something right. All right, Rob. I'm sure that you've done a lot right. Uh, it's always fun when you're on the show. Great information as always. Thank you, man, and have a, uh, a great day and a good weekend, okay? Hey, thanks. You guys, too. That's Rob Howe, everybody, Hawkeye Nation. Always uh, great info on the Hawks from Rob. 
Trent, look, I, I know that we sit here and we count the days, literally, uh, until football begins, but I'm really kind of real curious to see how this Hawkeye basketball team is, is uh, how it can change its stripes, if it can change its stripes. Where are you? I, I'm still on the pessimistic side of things. I think they'll be improved, but what is that improvement actually going to mean? Good enough to be an mm-hmm. NCAA tournament team? No, I, I don't think that far. NIT? Maybe. That's about as okay. far as I'm willing to go right now because we've talked about this in the past, Jim, but defensively, this isn't like it's an overhaul of the roster. These are the same guys back. And until right. you see Tyler Cook actually locked in on the defensive end, you have no clue down there until you actually see Jordan Bohannon be able to do you know, something with lateral quickness and be able to slow down those point guards and get in the lane until we see Isaiah Moss not get lost on the defensive end for long I mean, stretches. Yes. Until that happens, Jim, you it's just it's all speculation and I can't go there. They can score. They can score last year. Yeah. And oh, they yeah. proceed to go four and fourteen in the Big Ten. Big Ten this year, probably gonna be a little bit better. You wouldn't anticipate it's gonna be down back to back seasons, and with it, you know, where does Iowa fall there? Middle of the pack, eight, nine, ten, that's probably the range I'm looking at. I just don't know if that's good enough to be an NCAA tournament team. I read you loud and clear, pal. I, I really do. And like like you and I both subscribe to the same theory from Missouri, show me. Once you show me, then you can. I can become a believer, but I got to see it first, just like you. Jimmy B., do you realize we are just uh, a little over a week away from Big 12 Media Days and a week later Big 10 Media Days? That's awesome. That's awesome, pal. I know. It's coming. It's coming. I mean, it's. look, I, I never want to push summer quickly. Just because I love it so much, but man, oh man, God, I miss football. I, I really do miss football. <laughs> I can't wait for those to take place because then once we get to the Big Ten and the Big 12 media days, at least the NFL camps open up, and then beginning in August, we get games that nobody cares about, but at least it's football, trend. Right. So you're, te- yeah. you're telling me the CFL and Indoor Football League aren't doing it for you? Uh, no. 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 Doesn't help me. No. No. I'm, I'm, no. I'm the same way. I'll flip on the CFL game. Oh, hey, look at this. And then yeah. after about 10 minutes, like, this is terrible. If Johnny Manziel's going to play a little bit, that I will tune in to see if he's going to be on the field. Maybe. 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 I'm just a baby. Yeah. We're coming yeah. back on the other side. Ken Silverstein is going to join us. And, well, it is uh, down times for him in Cleveland. LeBron, Oof. no more as he is in Los Angeles with the Lakers. We'll get into that and a whole lot more. Talk some Big Ten football. Ken Silverstein, he joins us next as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. Time to welcome in Ken Silverstein, our Big Ten Conference insider and NBA guru who resides in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Ken, before we begin, um, I know that you spent some time working with one of our colleagues, Larry Kotler, who tragically lost his life, and the funeral for Larry was today. Now, you worked with him in Chicago, correct? Yeah, I did network radio with Larry in the mid-90s for um, for about three years. He left the network uh, before I did. Um, and uh, he uh, I remember when he when I saw him Monday in the building, he told me he was going back uh, to Des Moines. And uh, we ended up a bunch of us taking him to lunch one day and, and uh, you know, um, commiserating, let's say. Uh, we got together 
Oh my goodness, a long time ago. Um, it would have been the World Cup of '94. Yeah, so it would have been uh, June of '94 is the first time I met Larry, and we worked together. I think uh, a little under three years. One of the good guys in the business, and I'm sure yes. his passion for sports uh, certainly uh, went off. I, I can imagine the conversations between you two were a lot of fun. Yeah, they were, and you know he he was so down to earth. You know, in an ego driven business, I don't have to tell you guys that. Not everybody's the salt of the earth in this uh, crazy racket, better known as uh, uh, broadcasting, whether it's the TV side or the uh, radio side. And, and Larry was just a sweet guy. Just, uh, and not to be redundant, he was down to earth. Um, he was very, I mean this in the most complimentary way, he was very Midwest. He loved talking about the Hawkeyes and um, a certain radio station in the market, if you know which one I'm talking about, that has a certain... Uh, number of letters in it, and, you know, he talked about one of their great personalities and um, a gentleman who had been doing Iowa football and basketball and radio for a long, long time, and told great stories about him and, and so forth. So it was always, um, if it wasn't Iowa, Hawkeye football and hoops, it was Big Ten, and, you know, we were in Chicago, and obviously, um, i I give you a quick Larry Cobbler story. I just remembered one. 95, Northwestern shocks the world, wins the Big Ten, goes to the Rose Bowl, and faces a USC with Keyshawn Johnson. And uh, this ended up playing them pretty tough and eventually lost, but played them very competitively. And I can remember having conversations with Larry during that football season of 95. He wasn't a believer in Northwestern, Gary Barnett. I, I kept telling him because I was covering those games and traveling with Northwestern back then saying, hey, Larry, I think this thing is magical. I know they don't have great talent, but I, I think they're going to pull this off. And they beat Notre Dame that year, and they, they, beat, yeah, they beat Michigan and Ann Arbor that year, which is, like, shocking. Uh, but they beat uh, both teams, and I want to say they beat them both on the road that year, which is even more amazing. So uh, he's going to be missed by a lot of people. And uh, when I heard the news, uh, it... Um, Let's just put it this way. It saddened me greatly with capital letters. Absolutely. Um, let's kind of move into the realm of sports now, and we'll start with the NBA free agency. Uh, really, no surprise that LeBron went to Los Angeles. You had been saying that on our show for weeks, that you felt that that was going to be his destination point. Uh, do they have the banner down yet, and are you helping them take that banner down? <laughs> well, the banner is down, and no, they didn't call me, but I, I was. Uh, it's the Sherwin Williams uh, building. They are the paint company. Their corporate headquarters are downtown here, and um, when he came back, they put up a ten-story banner, literally across the street uh, from the building, and. Um, it's been there up until the other day when, methodically, because you just don't take that thing down in five minutes, they were able to take it down. There is talk uh, and negotiations. They're going to put up another one, but it's not going to be, obviously, LeBron James, and it's not going to be an NBA-oriented one. There's talk that Frankie Lindor, uh, the very talented shortstop of the Cleveland Indians, who most likely, again, will be an all-star again. He's a very young player, a very talented player. Uh, he's a very um, happy-go-lucky, good-natured guy. Um, 
and they may work a deal with him to put a banner up for him to replace LeBron. Now, he's a great player, but he ain't LeBron, okay? But that's what the talk is, that they will drape something down from the top or not the very top of the building, but somewhat near the top of the building towards the bottom where it's about 10 stories. So we'll see whether they do it or they uh, they shy away from it. But that's the rumor on the street that uh, uh, Frankie Lindor or Francisco Lindor, the Indians' talented all-star shortstop, will get a banner to replace LeBron at the same location where they had LeBron's before they took LeBron's down. <laughs> You know, uh, can the the city as a whole seem like handled this, this this one a lot better than the last time he departed to go down to Miami? Part of it was the way that it was done, I'm sure, but most people at least were set up for this, right? I mean, the the city realized that he was probably moving on, and he delivered. He delivered the championship. That certainly changes things too, at least in my mind. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, there's a segment of the population that is always going to be uh, upset. And, uh, you know, you hear from those folks, whether it's talk radio or whether it's email or whatever. Uh, so there is a segment out there, but it's much, much smaller numerically than it was in 2010. Um, this wasn't a circus like it was in 2010. Uh, he didn't do the TV thing with Jim Gray. Hallelujah for that. Uh, they learned their lesson or lessons. Uh, this was done um, with much more thought behind it. And, no, I was not surprised that uh, he decided to go to L.A. I was surprised by one part of it, though, and I, I, I still don't understand what his thinking was. He's not done any interviews. He's going to be back in town or in the area on July 30th. He's opening a school in Akron, his hometown, for uh, underprivileged kids. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of media uh, on July 30th at that gala uh, event. I don't know whether he's going to take any questions. I assume he will. And one of them that I'd love to ask him is the following. Why not wait, see what other star might Max player go, and then follow that individual? If Kawhi Leonard doesn't get traded from San Antonio to the Lakers, and if I'm Popovich, Greg Popovich, there's nowhere on this planet I'd make that move. And let's assume I'm right and Popovich doesn't trade him. What, he's gone to L.A. with a bunch of talented young players. I'll give him that. And Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't. That's the part of it I don't understand. Um, are they a playoff team? Yes, they are a playoff team. He makes them a playoff team. By himself, he makes them a playoff team. But can they beat Houston or Golden State? No. No, unless they add at least one more superstar, they got no shot. Not this go around. Now, come next summer when there are more free agents out there, and one of them most likely will land there. That's a different story. But in year one of his three slash four year deal with the Lakers, <coughs> it's a it's a strange looking roster. Good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to get out of. Or depending on where they land, I'm not sure. Well, they might be able to get out of round one, but I, I'd be very surprised, depending on who they play in round two, if they got out of round two. Here's here's my take on this. They're going to have all those one-year deals expire, 
and that's mm-hmm. when the Lakers, beginning next year, will really start to make their move. However, Ken, let me throw this at you. I know that they have said that Kevin Love, they're going to build around Kevin Love. But he makes a lot of money on a team that, there. yes, where a lot of guys make a lot of money. Would the Cleveland Cavaliers trade Kevin Love because he and LeBron are boys? Would they trade him to the Lakers and take those existing one-year contracts that you just referenced from those guys, and then they could also begin to rebuild in that second year as well. That way, Love's wow, money comes off the books. I, that is, that's good stuff. Um, I'm not of course really it is. It's me. that from anybody. Um, see, the, the pro- they're stuck, and that's the problem. And to some extent, LeBron boxed them in. Because LeBron, when they won the championship, and Jared Smith and Amon Shumper is no longer here and is in Sacramento with the Kings and Tristan Thompson were all up. All three guys were up. And he went to Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and basically said, we sign him. And Gilbert didn't want to upset LeBron, particularly after winning it all. And the city was, you know, going crazy. And it would have been bad look. So he overpaid mightily for all mm-hmm. three. Now, he dumped Shumpert last February. Hallelujah for that. But he's still stuck with Thompson and even more J.R. Smith. What what Jim is getting at is really interesting because the Lance Stevensons, the Rondos, and players like that are all on one-year deals. Love basically has a one-year deal, okay? It's this coming season, and he's got a player option for 1920. There's no way on this planet that he's going to stay here for 1920 if this thing right. isn't going in the right direction, and it won't be in a one-year turnaround. So he's going to leave. So do you trade him to the Lakers where he will resign after this coming season because they'll have that player option, and because he's a UCLA Bruin and he's a West Coast guy and he dates a West Coast girl uh, who's a model, an L.A. girl, whatever, um, and that's interesting, Jim. Um, it, it would help the Cavaliers because then they could cut all these guys and have a lot of cap space and yes. get rid of J.R. Smith and get rid of George Hill. You'd be getting rid of like four or five guys with bye-bye contracts a year from now and have a lot of flexibility. The downside would be you'd be earmarking love to the L.A. Lakers where not only would he play this year, but he definitely would resign with that player option, and you'd be trading a five-time All-Star for contracts you're blowing out. So it's it's interesting. It could be done. It makes some sense. Um, but it would be very dicey because PRYs, the Stevensons and the Rondos on one-year deals, as attractive as it would be from an accounting standpoint and a cap standpoint, uh, you'd be trading a a five-year all, a five-time all-star who would then definitely resign. So with the Lakers, interesting. I uh, hadn't thought about it. hadn't really heard anyone else uh, throw that out there. Um, take a lot of guts to do it, but it does make some sense. It does make a lot of sense. Ken, last thing from me, uh, as you look around, we're getting into July now, past the 4th of July, and football 
right on the horizon. Now, the arrow has to be pointing up because I don't think it can go down with Cleveland after an 0-16, but what are uh, expectations? What, what are people expecting to see out of Cleveland with the Browns this season? Yeah, I mean, you got yeah. Tyrod Taylor there. you got uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, well, if they can't do any worse, they're 1-31, and they're very lucky. Uh, if it hadn't been for a tip field goal that eventually ended up being a block, they'd be 0-32 uh, for the two past seasons. I mean, they literally came a fingernail from being 0-32. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's how close it was. Jamie Meter with a block. Unbelievable. Of all people, Jamie Meter, uh, who's not a household name, even in his own household, quite frankly. So um, I think six, seven wins. I, they have a difficult schedule. They've had a very good offseason. Um, I really love the pick of Nick Chubb out of Georgia. I think Carlos Hyde will do a nice job. They'll be able to run the ball. Tyrod Taylor has his warts. He'll throw a lot of picks. He'll move the ball downfield. He'll move the chains. Defensively, I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, they're not going to challenge the Steelers uh, this year, but I, I can see six, seven wins. And in this town, wow, six, seven wow. wins—they might build a statue for some people <laughs> if they actually win six <laughs> or seven, and then put a little Teflon above it so the bird droppings don't uh, uh, mess up the shininess. And I just invent a word—the shininess. I guess I did of uh, the so-called statue if they would win six, seven games. So. Um, yeah, they open up against the Steelers here uh, in September. They always lose the Steelers. So uh, they'll start 0-1. That'll be 17 consecutive losses. You go back to 0-16. But um, I think they'll have, for them, you know, pretty good year, all things considered. It's always good, man, when we catch up with you. Thank you, as always, for your time. And, uh I'm glad that you thought that my my little scenario there might have had some merit to it. Look, if, if the if the Philadelphia 76ers could be that bad for so long, why couldn't Cleveland be really bad for one year? And you just you know you just tell your fans this is what we're trying to do, and then you get rid of all that money, and then you got something to do. We'll see how it works yeah, out, I, I, uh, Ken. Yeah, I, I, it's a great move. I just don't know. If they right. have the you know what to be able to pull that off, but we'll we'll see, guys. When we talk next Thursday, good news, hearey, hearey. We'll be one week closer to college football. That's great yep. news. That is great yep. news. Thank you, Ken. Look forward to it, guys. That's Ken Silverstein, Big Ten Conference Insider, covers the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, you name it. Uh, we check in with him uh, once a week. Always good when he is on the show. Uh, we got a quick break coming up right now. We will then come back, wrap things up right here on the Big Talker 1700. Back one final time. Jimmy B and TC here with you for the next few minutes, getting ready for the night in sports, Jim. This portion of the program presented by Wolf Construction Roofing. Leaky weather, leaky roof. Well, it is time to call Wolf Construction Roofing to help you out. More information online, wolfconstruction.net. So, Jim, tonight, uh, baseball certainly on the agenda. Though Twins and Orioles, I know, is not going to do a whole lot for you. <laughs> are uh, are they, they play an NBA Summer League tonight? There is NBA Summer League tonight, so I'll probably sample a, a couple of NBA Summer League games this evening. Um, 
Utah is playing. That means uh, a couple of former Cyclones will be in action, George Niang and Naz uh, Mitru Long. So I'll check in to see what, what they've got going on. Um, but I will watch uh, some Major League Baseball tonight, Trent. And yes, you're right. Um, that doesn't really blow my skirt up. And I know the Twins are your team, but I think you've kind of kicked them to the curb already this year. Um, I like the Atlanta-Milwaukee because you've got two teams that are battling for a top spot in their respective division. And I like to, you know me, if top teams are going to play, I want to uh, at least check in on it. Uh, St. Louis at San Francisco for the late game tonight. Uh, the Cardinals uh, did very well. Uh, when they were out in the desert against the Diamondbacks, and now they move to the coast. So I'll probably watch a little bit of that. What do you got going on? Yeah, Atlanta-Milwaukee, that's at the top of the list. Not a great pitching matchup overall, but no. you know I, I've been talking about it for a while. I just haven't seen a lot of this Atlanta team and, and do want to get a closer look. So a good series to do that with Milwaukee and, of course, my favorite announcer, Brian Anderson, on the call. So yes. we'll uh, be flipping on Fox Sports Wisconsin for that one this evening. And, yeah, late night, nice to uh, have a local out there as St. Louis is out in San Francisco. Cueto back on the mound for San Francisco as he's worked his way back. Uh, he's set to go this evening. So be good a uh, chance to see Johnny Cueto. Always a fun guy to watch. And mm-hmm. the Cardinals, just it's been such an inconsistent year. You know, they haven't won back-to-back series in two months. It's just one wow. step forward, one step back. They're hovering around 500. You got Mazalak calling out Dexter Fowler. You got injuries yeah. all over the place. Carlos Martinez was down for a while. Then Reyes lost for the season. Michael Walker's still on the DL. It's just this is a team that has never been able to gain traction yet. Jim, if there's a run here, you know, if this team can make a run, the talent's there. It's it's about health and it's about putting it all together. I'm not giving up on the Cardinals yet, but I know this has been, I got a lot of Cardinal friends in my life and family. This uh, has been a very frustrating year for them. Well, look, the Cubs are on a roll right now. They've won six straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee's on a little bit of a roll. They've won three straight. So this is, you, you're right about not being able to win back-to-back series. And look, things aren't going to be easy against the San Francisco Giants. The Giants are a couple of games above 500. They are on a three-game losing streak, but yet they're only three and a half out in the National League West. And... I, I guess I guess right now that for St. Louis to stay competitive, don't you think that they would have to be within five games at the All-Star break to really feel like they're still in the thing, uh, meaning the Cardinals? Not necessarily. I, you have to be concerned about the Cubs run away and hide, but I don't yes. know. I mean, if you're five and a half, does it mean you shut it down? If, if no. no. Oh, no. Right. No, I, no. I, I don't know if you okay. can put it in act- a real number on it, but just got to play more consistent. You got to play better baseball. I think that's a bigger thing. Jim, speaking of that, so yeah. this is what our playoff matchups would be right now in the National League. The wild card game would be Cubs Phillies. Maybe yeah. Jake, Jake Arrieta, though he hasn't been very good against the Cubs in a one game playoff. The winner of that then would get the Milwaukee Brewers. And your other divisional round game would be Atlanta, Arizona. Did you have that before the year, Brinson? I did not have that. No, no, I did not have that. And the Dodgers aren't in the equation. No. So, yeah. 
or are the Washington Nationals? Who have really hit the skids? Yeah. They've lost five in a row, man. Wow! I watched below uh, five hundred right now. Yeah, I, I watched a little of that yesterday since it was the early game, ten a.m. as they played here, eleven o'clock out there against Boston. So I was able to watch that, but just a, a listless performance so far out of the Nationals. You got Max Scherzer leading the the team out there as they've gone a little bit crazy. It's uh, yeah, dicey times there. What happens with? Bryce Harper, a lot of question marks, no doubt. But we will talk about baseball and a whole lot more coming up tomorrow on the program. We'll be back here 4 o'clock on your drive home from 4 until 6 o'clock. And you can catch myself in Ken Miller each and every weekday from noon until 2. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. We'll do it again tomorrow. Enjoy your night in sports.